You're listening to the Play, Teach, Talk podcast. I'm Tiffany Thompson, a speech pathologist with over 20 years of expertise in working with children under three years of age and their families to help them understand language and communicate more effectively. My specialty is in working with emerging communicators with few or no true words to reduce their frustration, help them interact and play with their peers and family, and learn to truly enjoy the back and forth of functional communication throughout their daily routines. This podcast is not intended to diagnose speech-language disorders, but is more of a general set of suggestions for children who are experiencing delays in their language skills. For recommendations or therapy specific to your child's needs, consultation or evaluation with a licensed speech-language pathologist in your city is highly suggested. This is Season 2, Episode 17 of the Play, Teach, Talk podcast. Why words aren't always the most important thing for kids to get. So I wanted to put this subject into a podcast because I think when we refer children for speech evaluations and speech therapy, the major reason is because they're not using words. But I think it's important to point out that there are a lot of other ways that children express themselves before they use words that are precursors to getting the spoken word for communication. And if your child's not using words, that's maybe only part of the information. If your child is also not using gestures, pointing, waving, showing, making sounds, even if they're not using true words, using facial expressions or tone to indicate what they want, those skills may need to be developed before we're even ready to look at words. And it's also important to know that spoken word is not the only valid form of communication that children can use. So while we do try to build children's verbal vocabularies, the words that they're using to communicate, there are so many other options and ways for children to be able to get their point across, to help decrease their frustration, to help them understand language more and practice language more, even without the use of words. So it's always important to think about how we honor children's attempts at communication, whether there is a word being used or not. When I teach children to use sign language to support their language and reduce their frustration, even if I am trying to get them to imitate a spoken word, I try to always honor the sign or the gesture or the tone that they've used to communicate even if it's not the word I'm looking for. For example, if I have a child I'm trying to get to say more, they make the sign for more, but they're not quite going mama along with the more. If they make that sign first and are trying to kind of bypass the sounds that they're making, I'll usually say, that's right, you're saying more. That's right, more. Can you tell me more with your mouth? Or I'll see either tell me more, use a word with your mouth, something like that to ask for a little bit more. But I think it's important to always honor the communication at the level where your child is, even if you're looking for higher level skills. Same with the use of picture symbols. I've had parents communicate to me concerns that if we use a picture symbol, that it might 
keep a child from using words. And the research out there and my own anecdotal evidence also shows that when I put a visual support in with a child to help them use more communication and to understand why we're asking kids to even use these words, I feel like I get a lot more buyback from the children because number one, I've taken the biggest block and the biggest frustration away from the communication experience because the answer is right there. If the child is trying to ask for Cheez-Its and there's a picture of Cheez-Its and they can point to it, phew, at least we've let mom or dad know what we want. And then we can work on the labor of learning to make those sounds and words with our mouths after we've gotten the need met. Also, kids who are visual learners, usually are the ones who we use the words, we use the words repeatedly, repeatedly, and the child's not imitating them. And we're not understanding why that auditory channel alone isn't enough for them to learn those words. They just might make connections better when they have a visual support to go with it. So using other forms of communication is never going to put a child at a disadvantage. I think when you use kinetic language like manual signs and gestures, or when you use visual language like picture symbols, or even the combined uh, touch and picture and sometimes recorded message of using a mid-tech or high-tech communication device, you're really helping a child to learn to use a multimodal approach to communicating. And we all do that. We use our hands, we use our vocal tone, we use our face expressions. We use a lot of different modes when we communicate. So it makes sense that you wouldn't want to limit a child to only being able to use a word to communicate. I hope this helps with understanding that using words may be our ultimate goal, but there are a whole lot of other ways that we can support language without needing to even approach that word. If your child is feeling shy about it or is not quite making the connection or needs a little bit more of a different sensory approach to make that connection with language and how to use that with other people. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would help me greatly if you subscribe or leave a five-star review. For additional content, including YouTube videos, articles, handouts, and help catered specifically to your child's needs, please visit playteachtalk.com.